Oh, you're a bit rough with that needle, Will. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. As you may have guessed, it's Will and Swanee back for AA Light slash Summertime. That's Arts About Light, isn't it? Oh, yes, Arts About. I'm sorry, for the uninitiated AA, we were, that, that's inside stuff. You're perfectly correct. It's great to be back. Of course, we've been given the keys to the studio like they did last year over summer. We're here to fill in, to help out. Correct, but many might remember we were in the state-of-the-art arc last year. The Arts About Resource Centre. Correct, but unfortunately that's been commandeered by those dastardly soul-to-soul people. Oh, you mean Steve. Steve and his spooky crew, because apparently their show is pretty special. And he's well on the way to monetizing mysticism. He's doing a great job there, isn't he? He is really doing a great job. And apparently he needs all this room and all these facilities. So we've been stuck out the back between the men's shed and the toilet block. But as the light crew, L-I-T-E crew yes. for Arts About, we, mm. we, can, we can make do. We, we're well, used to making do, aren't we? We're going to have to make do in this old bolt up from Bunnings. There's one other announcement too. Yes, well, last year, you remember, we had Tani as our assistant. Oh, she operated the microfish machine. Yes, the all-important yeah. microfish. Is Tani, uh, Tani coming? Is she late? No, don't even pretend you know that, Will, because Tani has left for Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's what I heard. I was just yeah. hoping. She's uh, a First Nation Canadian Indian, of course, correct, Tani. Correct. She's part of the Big Island Lake Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. And ostensibly she's gone back for family reasons, but I suspect she might be holding a candle for that handsome new Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. Or nicely said. Yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me. She had a picture of him in her microfish booth. Yes, well, I am, I am the pronunciation monitor, as you know, Will. Unfortunately, also, we've got a work experience kid. Oh, is that the guy out the front? Yeah. Dino Black is his name, and he's, he comes from one of those fancy pants private schools we have down here on the peninsula, but I don't want him hanging around here. He's very young. You, look, they don't like it, we don't like it. You've got to find them something to do. They always look like a shag on a rock. They do. I mean, can we, uh, can we send him down to Bunnings to get a box of decimal points? Yeah. Something like or that. Some st- or a couple of litres of striped paint, that sort of thing. Oh, that's always a good one. Yeah. Or a left-handed hammer. Yeah. They love that. Good idea. Send him down to the, to the store down the corner. Very good. Before we get carried away, I must make special mention of our major sponsor for Arts About Light slash summertime and that's the Kunming Marine Safety and Fireworks Company, formerly of Kowloon, now headquartered at Bangholm. Bangholm. From Kowloon, that's in Hong Kong. Correct, and now they're in Bangholm. It's very exciting and they approached us, which is even more exciting. (laughs) So it's a big hello to Kelvin Chang and his asbestos clad crew down there at Factory 18. Oh, good on them. They're always uh, doing a bang up job down there, that's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> They're a passionate bunch. Uh, there'll be. We'll, we'll talk more of that later. But now we should. Re- what do we actually got on this show? Well, I've got my list here. We've got Mystic Micro Cars. Mystic Micro Cars. Correct. More will be revealed later. Uh, we've got hipsters in the desert. Well, we love a good hipster, don't yep. we? They're everywhere. They're everywhere, sir. Sun worship. Sun worship. Perfect for our summertime light show. You look like a bit of a sun worshipper, Will. Well, I'm not really, but I spend a bit of time outdoors because I, I, most of my work is outdoors, as you know. I'm not really a radio man. No, 
We're not indoor guys or backroom types. Like, we're, like Steve on Soul to Soul. Correct. We're more like, you know, al fresco. The microfish machine, we're going to operate that this year, apparently. Is that correct? Absolutely. Can you, well, we either get that kid to do it or we do it ourselves. Oh, it's just a machine. I can't see the problem. All right. Uh, she should be all right. All right. Well, we've taken the um, precaution of loading her up with lots of uh, important information and plenty of scintillating summer stories, as you might have. So stretch out on that tasseled towel and soak it all up. Do you know what a Shriner is? You mean a shaker? No, I know what a shaker is. A shaker are the religious uh, order in yeah, America. They make furniture and uh, yeah. like carpenters. Well, they're, they're wobbly furniture. Well, their furniture is very famous. It's very collectible. The shaker style even today, but there's no, uh, it's, it doesn't refer to like a chair with one leg shorter than the other. The shaking of the shakers is the ecstatic dance they do during their um, religious You're services. shaking now. Yeah, I'm just trying to show you what a shaker does. As they feel the spirit of Christ enter their soul. A Shriner, and I first saw them on my favourite American television show, American Pickers, is, this is more like, it's a Masonic thing, I think. I, I researched them, and they are actually, they were previously known as the Ancient Arabic Order of the Nobles of the Mystic Shrine. I can see why they shortened their name to Shriner. Yeah, it's a pretty long handle, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it, it is, Will, a fraternity based on fun, fellowship, and the Masonic principles of brotherly love, relief, and truth. That's a little risque. Or maybe not so much risque these days. It's a secret society, in other words. Yeah, That's it's like one of those me. kind of wacky things that men do. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got well, it. They have... Well, who are these guys? I could paint you a picture. What would you do if you saw down the main street of your town on festival or fake day, if you saw a rather overweight, bald fellow in a red fez sitting in a quarter-sized Corvette car? Well, I'd be running for my life. Yeah, well, what if you saw about 15 or 20 of these guys? <laughs> they do. They drive these wacky little cars and they kind of weave in and out. Not so much of the crowd. They do little formation work. Uh, the Holden formation drivers... The Holden Precision Driving Precision team. Drivers, that's right. I've actually seen pictures of the Shriners. They do do two-wheel work. No like, way. Yeah. And they wear their badges of office, the feathers, the medals. They take it very, very seriously. But I do get the impression that it's a place for men to just go away, be by themselves, maybe drink a little beer and build these cars. Well, there are stereotypical men's secret societies and associations. This one doesn't sound like one to me. This is something completely different. Grown men in fezzes driving miniature cars in precision order they, they en masse. Well, they have built their part because we all kind of, what are those spooky masons up to with their, their aprons and their handshakes? Oh, yeah. But these dudes, they're taking it out there. Yeah, they certainly are. There's lots of other secret societies, I suppose. Actually, wasn't Fred Flintstone? Fred, yeah. and, Fred and Barney? Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they were water buffaloes. Water buffaloes. <laughs> <laughs> and the head of, of the course. the Flint's, the head of the water buffaloes was the Grand Poobah. The Grand Poobah. Yeah, yeah, of course. They were once very common. I mean, so much so that they were a cliche of these comedy shows. 
But I, I myself, just as an aside, I remember visiting the secret harbours of Williamstown, and uh, that's not to be... These boys were deadly serious, and I was sworn to secrecy. They didn't want anybody slash their wives to know what they did on a Sunday. And they would sit in these little houses on these harbours somewhere near Williamstown, I don't know, drinking, fishing... I read a story, I think, in the Mariner. Didn't yeah. you write a story on the secret yeah. harbours? How yeah, did you yeah. get away with writing a story on something that was secret? Well, I was sworn to secrecy, <laughs> and we were blindfolded and taken there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Very serious. But as you say, Fred Flintstone, the water buffaloes. And as you know, the Flintstones was based on a very famous sitcom in America. Oh, the Honeymooners. The Honeymooners. With Jackie Gleason. I love Jackie Gleason. Yep. Jackie Gleason was a fine actor, actually, and he had his own TV show later. But The Honeymooners with Art Carney as... As his friend... Um, uh, Ed Norton, I think it was. Yeah, Ed. No, was it Ed? Or was he Ed Norton? Oh, the actor was Ed Norton. Art I Carney just... was Ed Norton and uh, uh, Jackie Gleason was Ralph Cramden. Yeah, I, ju- I just remember Jackie. He said, one of these days, Alice... We will get some information for this on the microfish. And uh, what was his wife's name? Al- oh, Alice. 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 One of these days, Alice. She was a plucky one, though. She didn't take any of that. Let's crap, get it up she? on the. Uh, let's see if we can yeah, find yeah. it on here. All right. Now we don't have Tani, but I think I know what what I'm doing. Yeah, crack out the microfish there. Just you stand back a little bit, Swan. Um, hang on. I think you hit this button. This one here should do the trick. So stand back. I'll turn it on. Ooh. That doesn't sound good. It sounds a bit like um, Frankenstein's laboratory. It does, and it's. Uh, <laughs> it didn't sound like that last year, I don't No, think. and what's the note say? There's always a note, people. Always a note down here at RPP. Uh, this one, oh, this one's a typewritten note, and it says the microfish has exceeded its bulb life. I've been reliably informed that replacements are no longer available in Australia. Ooh. Use is therefore restricted strictly to management only. Elise Figures, Secretary. It, there's notes on everything yeah. around here at RPP. Yeah, just we'll throw that away. Deal I'm sure. with that later. It's just a machine. All it's right. running. Let's use okay, it. Okay, well, just let See me... See if you can yeah, yeah. bring up... How do you spell his name? I think it's Cramden with a K. And, and I loved the whole idea of the Honeymooners because it was a breakthrough show. You probably don't remember. It was in black and white. I'm yeah. a bit older than you are. I just remember him saying one of these days, Alan. <laughs> and I remember her not being, not caring a, a hoot. Like, uh, here we go. Honeymoon, honey, honeymooners is a, yeah. Ralph Cramden is a perpetually flustered but eternally optimistic New York City bus driver living with wife Alice. What we're looking at, the men's clubs, men. The, the fraternity was called the International Order of Friendly Sons of the Raccoons. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, the Loyal Raccoons or something, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that's right here. The International Order of the Loyal Raccoons, or at times the Royal Order of Raccoons. Oh, even better. Fantastic. Royal that's what Order we want. Raccoons. That's what we're talking about. War. Yeah. Um, founded by Toots Mondello and Herman Hildebrand in 1907, their motto was E Pluribus Raccoon. Ah, oh, love it. Got to have a Latin motto. Yeah. They belong to the... Can I keep reading? Is it cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, read yeah. on. All right, they belong to the so Benson He's running pretty... I, I don't like the surges, but it no. seems to be running. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, okay. It feels a bit warm. Um, Bensonhurst chapter they belong to. That's right, Bensonhurst. Yeah, yeah. membership cost $35. 
and they, they wore a double-breasted military jacket with oversized epaulettes on each shoulder, uh, dark tie, and a hat with a raccoon tail. But That's not good. No. That doesn't sound good. Hang on. Oh, just Listen, stick, get the note. Put the note straight the back note up back. on there. Steve will work it out. His problem, that problem belong on him, what do you reckon? Yeah, put that back yeah. on. Okay. Well, that was getting interesting. I was reading, I was going to read about all the raccoon tales and um, strange oh. rituals, but it is an interesting phenomenon, this men's club thing. I don't know if they still do it these days. I'm more worried about how we're going to do our shows without the microfish. Uh, we're just going to have to wing it. Maybe go to the Mornington Library. Yeah, someone here can get a new bulb, I'm sure. Yeah, Steve's got boxes of stuff out there. He has, yeah. yeah. We'll have to wing it. But we're good at winging it. We are. Anyway, if there are any Shriners out there, I remember when I did my research, there is in fact a chapter in Australia. We'd love to hear from you. We'd be very delighted if you turned up in a quarter size E.H. Holden or something. Oh, how good would that be? Uh, or a GTHO, yeah. miniaturised or something. <laughs> Just outside the studio door, it'll be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so um, secret lodges. Secret lodges, do? anyone? We, well, look, we invite letters too on this, on yeah. Arts About Light. We got good letters last year. But anyone out there who's a Shriner in Australia, please contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, maybe they just have hipsters now. Is that, is that take its place? Well, maybe. There's a lot of hipsters about. Men sitting about discussing... Well, the, as I said, the stereotypical male bonding society was all about sort of beer and watching sport, but these days more likely to be about grooming and, uh, and, hair and uh, beauty products. And heaven help us, joining in. Joining in, yeah, yeah the hipster or, movement. Anyway, um, we do have the secret cult uh, handshake to go out on, Will. So if everybody out there listening could um, grasp each other's elbows, crossed arms, of course, and repeat after us. A couple of months ago, when we were all shivering in the cold, Will was lucky enough to go on a road trip to Broken Hill. That's right. Will, my first question to you is, how do you get to Broken Hill? The very same question I asked myself, um, channeling Burke and Wills, yes. of course. Um, it's a fair drive. We decided to break it up by driving from the peninsula to Mildura which is on the Murray River. So you just sort of take some... It's, it's just a long angle out, yeah? It's kind of a long angle. You head for Bendigo and uh, um, go through some lovely towns on the way, like Wedderburn, um, Charlton, yeah, no, Sea Lake. That wouldn't mean anything to you, would no, it? No, I've never been that way in my life. No, but they're lovely towns. Um, Oyen, of course, is, is famous for... If, Something. Famous for high temperatures. High temperatures, that's right. I think it's the hottest place in Victoria, just uh, followed closely by Mildura itself. I'm a little intrigued. So as you go up, does, does the country become drier? And It was very green when we went up there, but right. I imagine this time of the year is drying off quite nicely, and I imagine there's hay baling going on. Yep. and uh, There's a lot of minibuses full of Asian tourists head up. They get about as far as... Sea Lake, it's a day trip from Melbourne and then back again. Many caravans? Um, didn't see so many, car not many caravanners head for Broken Hill. All right, so you stayed in Broken Hill the first night. What's in Broken no, Hill? No, no, we stayed in Mildura, oh, Mildura the first night. Yes. Yeah. That's a seven-hour drive. 
that's long enough. And where did you stay? In- we went, we crossed the river into New South Wales and we found a little motel. There's a lovely little motel on the river, right on the Murray River. Uh, the pictures on the internet looked wonderful, you know, of all, of all the views. When we got there, we found there was a four-lane superhighway between us and the river. Of course. Because uh, the motel was on the other side of the highway. And I did freak out a little bit because I do like my sleep at night and I saw all the trucks. But the lovely couple, an elderly couple who owned the place, uh, assured us that it all would be silent upstairs in our room. And it was. It was lovely. Is that because they were deaf? Probably. They were very elderly. Um, No, I think they had triple glazing or something like that on the windows because it was quite hot. It gets very hot up there, so that would probably assist. So it really was nice and quiet. It was beautiful. And we drove back into Mildura itself that night and we visited the Grand Hotel. uh, And we went downstairs into a little subterranean restaurant called Stefano's. Well, he's famous, isn't he? He's famous in the area. I think he had a TV show at one stage. Did you remember that TV show? Yeah, it was called A River and Two Italians or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, me and my best friend, Huck Finn. So you got up in the morning and you can get from Mildura to Broken Hill? Yes, that's fairly easy. That's a three-hour drive. But you have to be careful. There's a lot of feral goats. The country's drying out. You're headed into desert country. It's a lovely drive. Yeah, goats are funny. They startle easily. Yeah, you blow the horn... And it's funny, all the old goats just look up and all the little kids, as they call them, the baby goats, run off and scatter in all directions. Yeah. Um, What do they call it? Uh, For young players. Traps for young players. Traps for young players, yeah. For little goats. All right, you're driving into Broken Hill. I think of it as this desolate sort of setting of all those spooky outback movies, but... You tell me, what, what does it... It's, uh, the first thing you see is the giant slag heap, which is the tailings from all the mining over the years. It's, a, it's monstrous. It's about half the size of Ayers Rock, and it dominates the town. The buildings are beautiful, old, grand Victorian buildings down the main streets. Lovely paving and uh, deep guttering. All, all, uh, it's very high quality when it was built, because uh, it was a very rich town, of course. Uh, surrounded by a, <clears throat> a kind of a suburb of uh, workers' houses, which are also Victorian. Beautiful quality housing. A lot of it's dilapidated, but uh, they're restoring a lot of it. It's all under heritage protection, so yeah. it can't be knocked down. It's it's like a time capsule. Big old buildings. Big old buildings, lovely cottages. You can buy a, a solid stone wall cottage with three bedrooms up there and an air conditioner and whatever about... I think for about $60,000, which is not bad. That's not bad at all. Pubs, good pubs? Pubs, yeah, we saw a couple of those. The Plaza Hotel, which was where we stayed, and uh, and the Palace Hotel. And one of those has got that uh, Takarama mural. From... That's the Palace, yeah. Right. Did you see? It's from, uh, what's it called? Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, yeah. that's the one, yeah. And uh, did you see that? Yeah, mural? I did. I yeah. saw that, yeah. I, I don't remember it from the movie. Right. Uh, well, it's there. I don't even remember them going into a pub. Yeah, they went into the palace. They filmed some of the scenes at the right. bar in the palace. All I remember from that film was the beautiful backstory with, um, what's his name, Bill Hunter? The oh, yeah. It's in black and white, and he's sort of waking up in this Bangkok hotel, and he looks up through bleary, hungover eyes at this woman, and he says, Who are you? And she says, I'm your wife! <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Now, before we go on with the uh, fabulous reminiscences of Broken Hill, we must give special mention to your very special sponsor for this road trip, the Righty Ho Caravan Park and Business Centre. Yes, they gave me a new serpentine belt for the Ford yes. uh, before we started, and um, a Phillips Road Atlas. Did you use that at all? Second hand. Oh, yeah. that might have belonged to Ken's. Didn't use it, still yeah. under the front seat. Oh, okay. um, I used a sat nav to get up there. Well, when you're set to enjoy this summer on the peninsula, be sure to book one of their 18-bed beachside cabanas. They are situated conveniently in the Rye Industrial and Business Park, just a hop, skip and a bus ride from the water. And remember, tell Uncle Harry to bring his sleeping bag. Oh, sounds you. like a fabulous place, doesn't yeah, it? Does, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds a bit like that motel yeah. you stayed at in Mildura. A little bit, and yeah. uh, of course they're sponsors of this show, so we, we it'd be nice. We thank them. It'd be nice and quiet up there on the weekend, I which should imagine it is. Uh, now there are some other famous locals out of Broken Hill. Foremost, of course, the uh, Pro Heart. Yeah, Pro Heart, um, the artist, born and bred and died in Broken Hill. Many of the highbrow listeners to this fabulous art program might sort of frown when they hear the name Pro Heart. He's not taken all that seriously. No, sort of thought of as a desert Ken Doan or, or, or something like that. But yeah. actually, as he's died and as uh, on review, his work, I think, is very important up there. He, he was a very highly energetic painter and spent his entire life painting up there and recorded scenes of Broken Hill and all the work that went on there. All I remember is the messy carpet man. Oh, Mr. Hart! <laughs> well, a lot of our younger listeners won't remember TV. They were the days of TV. I well, that's it was, true. It was well, an ad for some type of carpet that was easily cleaned. If they don't remember TV, they certainly won't remember Jack Absalom, who was a friend of... Jack Absalom? He could yeah. do anything with a piece of, uh, with a piece of wood... And some, some uh, steel wool. Uh, well, I saw him start a fire with jumper leads and a bit of steel wool. Ah, just what you need when you're stuck in the desert. Well, it's all very impressive, but the first thing I thought of is if you're going to pack your survival kit, what do you pack first? A box Would of matches? Would you put a box of matches a in A box there? of matches. Would that be too hard? A box of matches or a hunk of um, steel wool. Even a book of matches. And fit them in there. But anyway, that yeah. was Jack. So the muse- it, there's a museum up there. You can see all these stuff. Well, there's a Pro Heart. That's his house, which is now mm-hmm. a museum. It's chock-a-block full of stuff. There's the, there's the um, uh, Regional Museum of Broken Hill, which is full of great stuff. Lots of Sam Burns and all kinds of art from Australia. It's a beautiful old building too. And is it still populated by a bunch of gnarly old guys straight out of Wake and Fright? There's a few gnarly old guys still around, mm-hmm. and you know, but these days, a bit more of a hipster paradise. The sort of hipsters in the desert, and there's a lot of young people with tattoos and beards, very well groomed with beards. Uh, a lot of artists. It's a there's a gay community up there, quite a large one. Uh, filmmakers, uh, journalists. Writers. When you were talking of beards and tattoos, I was going to say chaps just like us, but then you went on. Yeah, I went on. That's right. And that, you told me that story about the young girl who owns the pub now. Esther La Riviera. It's hard to say her name. Esther La Riviera. Uh, She was a young girl brought up in Broken Hill. She used to, on her way home from school, used to peer through the window of the Palace Hotel and always felt a strong connection, used to look at the men at the bar and hoped that one day she might 
be part of that hotel. She's now the owner. Fantastic. She came back, a group of five of them bought the hotel. Well, it sounds like it's definitely worth the trip. And perhaps we could all go up there, say, when the cold curtain comes down in May. Well, they have the Perfect Light Film Festival annually, and that's definitely a must-see. Steve Bastoni, friend of the show, has organised that. It's well, just, compl- just finished. We hope to run into you up there. And in the meantime, make sure you call up Jen and Ken, or Jan and Ken at the Righty-Ho Caravan Park and Business Centre and book your stay in holiday heaven. It's time now to talk of an increasingly popular pastime inaugurated right here on the peninsula, Sun Club, or as it is properly pronounced, Will? Sonneklube. Sonneklube. Yeah, you've almost got it. Sonneklube. Sonneklube. You know about umlauts? Yeah. Okay. I never knew what they did, though. I just thought they were silly dots on the top of letters. It makes that uh, one single letter have two... Uh, it's almost like two syllables. You draw it out. That's it. You got it. You got it. That's it. Yeah. SK, that's strange because SK also stands for solar keratosis, which, of course, are the precancers you get on your skin from the sun. From too much sun. But, but we're talking about Northern Hemisphere, Scandinavia. Right. And we're talking about too little sun. Yeah, too little sun, which is what they struggle. I think they only have about four weeks of daylight. Up there in Scandinavia, don't they, each year? I thought it was less than that. Maybe it's only a couple of days of daylight. I do know uh, an anecdote someone told me that on a sunny day in the middle of wherever they live, what's the capital of Sweden? Uh, Stockholm. Stockholm. They... (laughs) This is... At lunchtime, they will race out of their office buildings across to the park. All the clobber comes off. Out they go. Naked yeah, they spread is, out. Naked is the yeah. day they were born. And it's very important. Um, they're getting the vitamin D on their... Uh, through. They're absorbing it through their skin. Because as you know, Will, vitamin D deficiency is no laughing matter. <laughs> and you can take that smirk off your face uh, because it's quite serious. Oh, I'm sure it is for some people. Well, very important for the thyroid, for your yeah. sleep thing. And also you can suffer from fatigue. Well, you suffer from fatigue anyway, don't you? Well, that's from, yeah, I'm fatigued from trying to stay out of the sun. Yeah, I don't know exactly what vitamin D deficiency does, but it is bad. What's it got to do with art? That's what I want to know. We could could weave Van Gogh in or something. (laughs) However, we took that as an inspiration, the Sean Club. Clube. You'll get it after a while. Yeah, because... Do you know that the ABBA member, Bjorn Ulvaeus, is that how you pronounce it? I think you got that one right. Yeah, he's a famous Shona Kluber. And, uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, you know how they had a big ruction. They did, the band broke up. Yeah, it was because of the, he he insisted on the nudity, the the sun worship Mm. in the nude. They didn't like that. Doesn't bear thinking about. No, they, they felt uncomfortable. Yeah. So closer to home, we've been complaining often about the peninsula winters, haven't we? We do. We're pretty weak. We complain. We get about a uh, we get about four weeks of winter here in Australia, and um, we complain about it, don't we? I just remembered what's so important about um, long winters and not enough sun. There is actually a disorder called seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. Sad, that's right. And it can account for a lot of depression. Well, I've heard about that in the Finnish army. 
oh. in Finland, yeah, because they do a lot of their army training on snow, on skis, and they suffer the sads. And um, I would certainly suffer the sads if I had a clomp about in the snow. Yeah, with a big gun slung over your shoulder and a pair of skis. Between you and me and every other Australian, I can't possibly imagine why anyone would want to live in places like that. Seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Goodness me. No laughing matter, as I said. But we have sort of taken that on board because turning one's face to the sun has great psychological benefit, doesn't it? It does. We've had great fun. We've set up our own Sonia Klube. Sonia Klube. It's not nudity optional, of course, at our age. I prefer Um, just to wear my house pants. Yeah, house pants. Or underpants, as they more commonly known. And uh, we've we've made winter bearable. Yeah, and what are the essentials of a sun club, Will? Well, I think, first of all, you've got to be facing north. You've got to have a building that's sheltered from the wind. Yes. Uh, what else did we have down uh, We've got a table. And a roller door. We open the roller door and let the sun stream in on a cold day. Yeah, we've got tea-making facilities. Tea-making. We've got a uh, music box. And we've actually made an umlauti sign. Oh, it's so good. Schoenigle Yeah, that's it. It is just so good. You could have explained to me the use of an umlaut before we started this story. Well, you're supposed to be well-educated. I thought that you would understand that already. Anyway, we'd like to hear from anyone planning to set up their very own Sona Club. Um, we hope it to become a very sort of uh, sunny movement here on the peninsula. But now we need to speak about something very important, don't we, Will? We do. We've, uh, we've got a sponsor message again. Yes. Uh, we need to talk about an important summer boating release from the Kunming Marine Safety and Fireworks Company, down in Bangholm. Bangholm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Arnold, not Arnold Chang, that's his brother, isn't it? Kelvin. We've got to get this right. Kelvin Chang and his passionate team of pyrotechnicians and exchange students have come up with a real lifesaver. And what's that? This is the Jack Banger number 18 acoustic safety alert. Acoustic. Acoustic. Like an acoustic stick. That's it. It's got a CK on the end. Acoustic, the Acoust- Jack Banger. Acoustic. Sounds pretty nasty. Now, older listeners will remember the Penny Bunger. Look, I'm older than that. I remember the Thrupenny Bunger. Was that was a big big thing. It was like a stick of dynamite that as little kids, six years old, you could just go down the newsagent and buy a bag of those. They were <laughs> thruppence each. I remember bringing those back from New South Wales when they were still legal up there. By then, they were the Tuppenny Bunger. Tuppany bunger. You got four in a packet for eightpence. Oh, I, th- I think they're only the little ones, but uh, anyway. Well, well, the jack banger is similar to a firecracker, but this is a very much bigger professional grade version with a patented waterproof wick. Yeah, and what do they use these things for? Well, there's a little thing um, Kelvin wants us to read out here, and this might tell you a little about its use. You ready? Yeah, this is on the label. Yeah, it says it's it's not a flare, it's not a skyrocket, it's not a toy. Right, well, that explains a lot. And we have been asked to definitely emphasise that it is a measure of last resort. There's a health warning that comes with the Jack Banger number 18, and although it comes with a metre-long plastic holder, I'm reading this, you will have to decide which ear you are going to block while you're holding the device. Yeah, and that's because you're going to lose 50% of your hearing 
Yeah, there's no escaping that. And that's why they have emphasised this is definitely a means of last resort. So that's if you, you know a bit about boating. Your motor has died. You've got no fuel. Your motor's died. You've used all your smoke flares. You've used your rocket flares. You've used your uh, um, lamp flares. Your mobile's got no signals, And your radio's broken down. You turn to... There's no hope of rescue, dot, 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 until now. Until now. The Jack Banger, number 18. It can be heard for 12 nautical miles, listeners. Yeah. Now, if you do let one of these babies off, and I'm just picturing this poor, sodden, lost boater, where would he be, Will, off French Island or something? Oh, probably the back of Mud Island or somewhere <laughs> like that. And he's standing on the very edge of his boat trying to shield his family from the awful noise and he's holding the meter-long safety stick and when he lets one of these goes off, I imagine the authorities will probably think we are being attacked by North Korea. Yeah. Because remember, you will hear it for 12 nautical miles. You'll certainly hear it all the way back to Melbourne. You'll probably hear it all the way till, till, to Mildura. Yeah, and the poor boater is never going to hear it again. <laughs> That's, or his poor cowering family. Yeah. But look, can you imagine, that thing goes off, it sounds like an earthquake, but can you imagine their relief when they finally find that that terrible noise was only a group of forward-thinking boaters who were wise enough to visit the Kunming Marine Safety and Fireworks Company website and order themselves a full suite of Jack Banger, Jack Banger number 18 acoustics. Yeah. And remember, Will, it's not a, a toy. And now it's time to go to our archive, Swanee. Well, this is less of an old archivey thing. It's something way more recent I found in the local paper. And I'm not sure many other people noticed it. But are you familiar with the Frederick McCubbin painting, The Haystick's... Sorry, I'll start that again. The Hay Ricks of Hastings. That's hard to say. That's like she sells seashells. I'm not, actually. Well, neither is anybody else. Because this is the lost McCubbin. It's a very interesting story. What? Yeah. Of There's a house dresser. You know what a house dresser is? Um, I know about cross dresses. No. That... Well, you've, many of you might have seen those lifestyle shows about real estate and flipping houses. A house dresser is somebody that comes in and sets up the house as if you were living in it. Oh, I didn't know they had an official name. Yeah, and it adds to the appeal. Anyway, a house dresser found a painting in the Rosebud Lions op shop in the industrial yeah. estate because she said she needed a, something with a bit of yellow in it. And during the open house, it was noticed by a very erudite real estate agent who, who saw something familiar about the, uh, what do you call it, the, the brush style. The style. The, yeah. And he called in an old friend of his, the most recent immediate past curator of Australian art at the uh, National Gallery. Ah, oh, who was that? I, I don't uh, the remember. Irish guy or the what? other guy? I think he Max, ran the place. Max Delaney, I think he was. Yeah. Anyway, this was the Australian art curator. 
And apparently there is evidence to suggest that this is actually a Frederick McCubbin. A genuine McCubbin. Yeah, and I don't know how much you you could have to fork out from a McCubbin these days, but it's a lot more than something you grab in an op shop, I'm sure. And this is at the down yeah. at the, the industrial well, I've got the story. The op shop. Yeah, I've got the story here. So we are we noticed by our loving agent, yes... They're rare on the ground, aren't they? <laughs> uh, brought to the attention, yes, yes. Look, it says here, Hay Ricks is atypical. Frederick McCubbin, more known for engulfing claustrophobic landscapes, enclosing heroic figures such as the family in The Pioneer or Down on His Luck or The Wallaby Track. Do you remember those? I do. The down on his luck is something that I think we've all in, in Arts About and RWP can identify with. The fella just sitting yeah. on the... I think he's sitting on and the... You get fall, to the bottom of the barrel. He's fallen, uh, sitting on the fallen tree trunk. And the wallaby track is that very... Just for the listeners, the very famous one with the, the woman's holding the baby and the husband's standing by and they're in this cold kind of dank bush setting. Mm. Anyway... Um, and, what uh, else does it say? Well, this art expert says that McCubbin was very good at drawing out the opposites of quiet threat and beauty at the same time. Right. As something like the Wallaby Track might suggest. But, however, Hayrick's uh, share certain brush and palette traits with lighter works such as Summer Evening and The Gardener. Are you familiar with those paintings? I don't know. Well, I no. know. I think I know Summer Evening. I don't yeah. know The Gardener. Well, picture a Summer Evening. Anyway... It is claimed by the aforementioned curator that Hayricks is most like Summer Sea. It's a different painting again, which they think was painted at nearby Shoreham, Shoreham mm-hmm. on Western Point in 1895. And we're looking at the two pictures now. Look at this one here and this one. And one is the three sunlit Hayricks in a field, and the other is a woman alone on the beach. And you can see this sort of McCubbin-esque unity of opposites that they were talking about. And you look at that, the, the sea one, and is she at peace with her thoughts or troubled? Is the scene idyllic or unsettling? Or is she penned in by uh, dark scrub and drowning sea? That sort mm. of thing. So the opposites are at work there. And when you look at the hayrick in this painting, this controversial work, you see that the hay the hayrick has a certain sort of forlorn demeanour, doesn't it? Does a hayrick have a demeanour? I don't know. I, I think it can. Anyway, the big story, and we don't have much time for this, although can we break into the news if we have to? Because it's very, very interesting. Well, it is interesting. If we yeah. have to get rid of the news, so much the better. <laughs> I mean, as you might imagine, there's huge controversy over the ownership. Uh, the Lions Club is up in arms. They say they only lent the painting to this dresser, uh, but the dresser is saying she left a deposit, which she's now claiming was a part payment. As a contract of sale. As a contract of sale. And, you know, it talks of very ugly scenes. And we're looking at this picture and there's this rather portly bald fellow, some kind of Lions Club neighbour, I'm sure. And he's pointing accusingly at a very stylish young woman who appears to be defending herself with a Feast Watson swatch card. Uh, as she would yeah, as a dresser, yeah. a house dresser. Um, and, and I'm asking you, Will, you know a little bit about the law of this land. I mean, who owns this lost McCubbin? I mean, is it the person who mistakenly donated the masterpiece to the, to the op shop? 
uh, should the state step in? Is this something that the Premier would have to... Goodness me, it's a, this is a real mess, isn't it? Yeah. And this is a fantastic story. I'm unaware of this. I mean, is there a McCubbin estate? I imagine there is. I reckon there'd be lawyers all over the place. So we... Scratching around looking for a way to make a buck out of this. Well, the first port of call for someone at AA, it'd be, you know, experts like John and Mark and, and of course, if she wasn't too busy, the wonderful Dr. Gabe. Mm. Right, well, let's leave that a little open at this point. The lost McCubbin, the Hayricks of Hastings. Mysterious indeed. Now it's time for... On This Day! Well, it was on this day or somewhere close to it. Close to it. And we talk of the, the terrible boating tragedy, uh, the footballer boating tragedy. In Mornington or off Mornington in 1892. 1892. Yep. It was the Mornington Football Club and they played a match in Mordialic and instead of catching the train back as one wise fellow did, the rest of the team climbed aboard. What was the name of the boat? We've got the printout here. I think it was a little boat. It was, it was only about 10 metres. What's yeah. that, about 28 feet or something? Yeah, Charles Hooper owned it. It was a 28-foot fishing boat called The Process. Yeah, and it had... Uh, Charles plus 15 footballers on board, which is overcrowding in anyone's... Yeah, I was going to say, you're a boating man, you'd know mm-hmm. whether they could all fit on. And it's a mystery to this day. What happened? The boat founded somewhere off Mornington. But the weather was fine. Weather was fine. Uh, they could be heard rowing out, or whatever they do on those boats, uh, singing songs, I seem to remember. Yeah, they were happy. Yeah, they'd won. Had they'd they won, won the game, I think. Yeah, and one fellow, as I say, caught the train home. Mm. The only thing they found were a few items of clothing and I think a couple of bags. Yeah, never found a body. Uh, 16 people off Mornington never found a body. It's a mystery. Um, and uh, I think there's a plaque yeah. dedicated to the memory of those that died in that tragedy at is it mother's beach in morning yeah top of mother if you want to check this out yourselves just down from the police station on the roundabout as you look down to mother's beach you'll see a little baby can with a with a with a plaque on it dedicated to that on this day moment yeah or thereabouts well um it hasn't been a bad show has it well i think it's been good and i'm happy that we've been able to um uh, get get ourselves back together and help fill in. Give the give the the crew a bit of a holiday. Uh, I think it's I think it's gone pretty well. I'm hoping we can come back next week. Pretty well, considering the impoverished uh, circumstances. No Tarni. The kid hasn't come back from Bunnings. No, with his box of decimal points that we asked him to get. And uh, we'll see you all again next week. And let's hope everything stays sunny and fine. Sunny and fine for everyone. See you next week, Swanee. Thank you. See you, Will.